lefty facing left-handed pitchers, especially college where you don't have enough at-bats under your belt of quality left-handers. I'm not sure that Joe Bear has faced too many quality left-handers in high school. That ball rocketed to right, and it's over the lawn and gone. Joe Bear's sixth home run. Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time for the Unoff the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, we got episode 25 coming at you. It is titled Living the Dream because our guest is doing just that. We're going to have on LSU baseball star Braden Joe Bear. He's going to break down his time at Nickel State, his time in the JUCO level, his time at LSU up until getting prepared for what could be a special season at Louisiana State. So, guys, let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, our man, LSU baseball star, Braden Jobert. Right, Braden. What up, man? What's up, guys? How y'all doing? We are blessed as always, and you know we're happy because we get to talk baseball with you tonight, man. Um, you know, before we get to baseball, I, I gotta ask, and and really, Jim really, really wants to know the answer to this question more so than anybody. He's, you know, diehard LSU guy. Um, you go into the game on Saturday. Yes, absolutely. So I, I feel like if you don't go to this game, they might, you know, take you off scholarship and ask you to, you know, pack it up, man. Is, is that the truth? Is that how it works down there? Uh, Yeah, I think so, man. You know, LSU versus Bama, I don't understand how anybody could miss this game, especially now that it's a top 10 matchup. So I'm super excited. Yeah, Everyone, you know, talks about the matchup, but really in general, just talk to us about, you know, you go to, death valley at night man the the atmosphere it's got to be electric right oh it's it's unmatched you know uh the lsu fans in any sport really it's just like the energy they bring to the table is just it's it's so cool to be a part of yeah it's gonna it's gonna be popping tonight it's a big one too you know for for obvious reasons um but for both teams but i got i gotta ask man who who's coming out with, with the w that on the, at the game LSU or or is, or is you gonna go with the Tide? Who who are you taking here? Man, the Tigers are hot. I gotta take the Tigers. Alabama's a good football team, but you know LSU's playing super well right now, and it's in Death Valley, so I think we take this one home for sure. Ooh, well, hey, either way, win, lose, or draw, it's gonna be electric. It's gonna be fun. Um, but man, we're not here to talk about, about all that. That's this weekend. We're here to talk about you. So let's, let's get down to business, man. Talk to me a little bit, take me back. Where are you from? And, and, and tell me a little bit about, you know, the area that you grew up in. Yeah, man, I grew up in Slidell, Slidell, Louisiana. It's uh, right outside of New Orleans. It's, uh, you know, not too big, not too small. It's uh, right in the middle. You know, uh, I felt it was a really good place for me to grow up. My whole family's from there other than my mom's side. But, um, you know, I had a very good childhood. I had a very, uh, you know, amazing family growing up. My other side, the other side of my family is from uh, Berwick, Louisiana. And uh, so, you know, I was always back and forth between those two cities. 
going and visiting everybody. So, you know, I'm very blessed to be where I'm from and, uh, and I'm proud to call it home. So, you know, you, you mentioned the family, you know, tell me you got brothers, you got sisters, you live with mom, dad, what's, what's it yeah, like? In the house? Um, I live with my parents back in Slido, but I have one sister named Reese and she's uh she's 17 years old. She's senior in high school right now. Can she play anything? She, she yeah, a she's a, She's the real athlete in the family. She's uh, she plays volleyball and softball, and she's she's quick, man. I don't think she's gonna play in college, but she's a very good athlete. Yeah, I mean, what's funny is most of the the athletes we have on, you know, usually talk about you know brothers or sisters, but every time it seems like anybody that we ask the question to, it they're always giving credit to the female athletes in the family, either sister or mom, saying. Like they're, they're the greatest athlete. They are by far, you know, better than what I was at their age. So yeah. She is like one of the fastest girls that I've ever seen run. And it's just, she's a very, she's a shortstop and a center fielder on the softball field. And she's, she's fun to watch. Well, speed is the key for, for, for those two positions for sure, man. But let's, uh let's talk about baseball. Tell me like, we're, were you a T-ball kid or were you a guy that's just like, nah, throw me the little league and I got this, man? No, my dad, uh, he put a bat in my hands when I was straight out the womb. So, you know, I played T-ball. I started when I was three, four. So I played T-ball for two years and then went straight into coach pitch. And then after that, it was in a travel ball when I was nine. So I was at rec league for the first, I think, four years. That I started playing baseball, and then we went straight into uh, in the travel ball. So, I mean, what's what's that like being a t-ball player, knowing like your dad is a, a hitting coach? You know, like to me, that yeah. seems like it's like the ultimate cheat code for for t-ball. <laughs> yeah, um, when I was uh, when I was five years old, I was hitting homers over the fence off the tee, and it's it, I give it completely to my dad. My dad like started training me literally when I was three years old. He's, he's molded my swing. He knows the most about my swing. And, uh, you know, from like seven to eight to nine year olds, I had already a hundred home runs in my life. So, you know, he, he molded me from a young age to be a, a good baseball player. And I give all the credit to him. So it's, it's safe to say that the, the foundational skills that you had as a kid were, were, directly correlated to what your dad was teaching oh absolutely I would sit outside he gave lessons in our backyard we used to have a cage in our backyard he owns a facility now but um he used to do everything in the backyard so I'd go out there as a kid you know having nothing to do and I would just watch and and learn as much as I could from him and and ask him you know every day dad can you throw to me dad can we hit and he always did it for me man you know uh I got the best parents in the world and I give everything to them for sure so it's probably safe to say when, like, they're telling kids growing up, you know, you get better by taking swings. You need to take at least, like, a 1,000 swings a day, I think is, like, what it was. But, like, no one could ever accomplish that feat. But I feel like you probably didn't have a choice growing up. It's like, <laughs> are you you're, – you're going to the bathroom? All right, take your bat. You're going to dinner? All right, take your bat. You know, there's, like, silly stuff, but – but I'm sure all of those little things, you know, kind of molded you into, you know, what, what you see today. But, you know, after, you know, after you have all this, this foundational skills with your dad, is there any people that you're looking to, like, to mold your game after? Because, I mean, as you get ready to enter high school, you got to, like, 
Louisiana is a hotbed for for athletes and and stars and especially you know in sports. Is there any like role models or athletes that you're looking for to go? You know, I want to play like that person. Um, man, you know, I don't really compare myself to anybody. You know, in terms of like growing up and you know somebody to lean on and you know do all that. Ryan Eads actually went to my high school. So, you know, when I was in high school, I would ask him questions and, uh, you know, he was in the big leagues at the time. So, you know, he was something that somebody that I bounced information off of. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed that a lot. I learned a lot from him. And, but, you know, usually, uh, or actually growing up, it was mainly my dad, my dad, I would bounce everything off of. He would tell me what I'm doing and how to do it. You know, he never played professional baseball, but he's, by far one of the best baseball minds I've ever, you know, been around. So I never really had to look to anyone, but, you know, obviously going forward, there's a lot of people that, you know, I bounce information off of like Dylan, my roommate, Dylan Cruz, he's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I just like, I like getting people's ideas and how they approach the game and, you know, just seeing how they handle themselves. It's, it's sounds like it's not just one person it's a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons um you know obviously you you get ready at that point you know you you start building the skills you play t-ball the travel ball now you're working your way to to high school what high school did you go to i went to north shore high school in slot yeah so talk to me a little bit about north shore obviously you competed for three seasons on the, the varsity squad, you earned all district honors all three of those years. Um, as a senior, you were district six, five A MVP. You were all region 10 hitter of the year. Um, 380 batting average, five home runs, just a ton of success, man. What what was your favorite moment playing at North Shore? My favorite moment playing at North Shore. Um, it had to be my sophomore year. Uh we were an underdog going into the playoffs and we went to Acadiana and uh, I think they were ranked like a top five seed or a top 10 seed, something like that. We were going in there as like a 28 seed and, you know, nobody expected us to win. And we went in there and we lost the first game actually of a best of three series. And we all met up in the hotel and we were like, look, like, we're better than this team. You know, we, we can do this. And we ended up going out, walking off the second game and then winning the third game. So we went in there as complete underdogs and we beat them. We shocked everybody. And that was probably one of my favorite moments for sure. So, you know, we, we talked to athletes and a lot of the baseball guys and, you know, really most of the athletes we talked to, there's a very big difference in, high school athletics and travel ball in regards to which one is most important for moving you to the next level. Um, was it at North shore or was there a travel ball team outside of that during your high school career where you were like, now colleges are seeing me more because I'm doing X, Y, or Z with this team or that. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, travel ball for sure. I played with my dad's showcase team my freshman year. And um, 
my sophomore year, I moved to the East Coast Sox organization with uh, Joe Caruso. And the first, the, the tryout for that team actually was so big. They had hundreds of scouts there. And that tryout, you know, I had a pretty decent day. And that was the day that Alabama actually saw me. And I ended up committing to them not too long after that. But definitely travel ball for sure. Going to all the showcases and, you know, playing in front of all these schools with the East Coast Sox definitely put me in a better position to get scouted by schools and, you know, to end up going places. So, you know, I feel like nowadays, um, you know, colleges don't really go to that many high school games because there's, you know, perfect game events, PBR events all over the place. It's just, uh, I feel like back in the day, they, they used to all go to the high school games instead of, you know, seeing them on Twitter or Instagram and, and all this. So, I mean, was there a particular moment or a particular, you know, time or game where that was the, the turning point where, oh, man, here's Alabama, here's, you know, Nickel State, here's all these schools that are now, like, now playing at the next level has become a reality and not just, I think I can. Yeah, it was, um, I went to a Nickel State showcase the first showcase that I've ever been to I was super nervous and my dad played there so you know I was going in he was just telling me to relax man like and uh you know just go have fun so I went out there and I had one of the best batting practices of my life I was hitting like and Nichols is pretty deep so you know I was a freshman in high school and I was just letting it eat I was I was launching balls and uh I didn't know that I had that in me honestly at the time I haven't hit on a field in a long time, you know, in terms of BP. And so they saw me hit and they told me that day, Coach Seth Thibodeau told me that day, he said, you're going to be a, a Nichols baseball player. And I was so young, you know, I was so, so hyped up. And that day was really when it set in for me. And then obviously going to the showcase and, you know, continuing what I did was, uh, was really eye-opening. So uh, you mentioned committing to Bama. But then, you know, inevitably you chose Nichols State. So what happened that made you obviously decommit from Alabama and go, no, it's Nichols? Yeah, um, I was committed to Coach Greg Goff at Alabama. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting released. I still don't really know what happened with that situation. Uh, but I called Coach Bohannon. You know, we had a long conversation. And, uh, you know, I just felt like it wasn't the place for me anymore. So you know, I decommitted and I had a few schools reach out, but, you know, ultimately I really wanted to go somewhere where I knew I was going to get a good shot to play. And uh, Nickel State was definitely the best option for me having, you know, my dad played there. It's not too far from my parents. Um, my mom's whole side of the family who, you know, I didn't get to see as much as I would like to, you know, growing up. Um, it's only 30 minutes away from there. So it was a pretty easy decision for me out of high school and going there. It was, it was awesome. I got to spend so much time with my mom's side of the family, get a lot closer with them. And, you know, it, it was, uh, it was the place that was right for me in my heart at the time. No, absolutely. You kind of took a little bit of, of my, my next question, but so you get to nickel state, how familiar are, obviously your dad played there. How familiar are you with the campus and the facilities there? Yeah, before I got there, actually, I've been to, I think, one or two Nickel State baseball games. My dad threw out the first pitch for a game when I was, I think I was like 12 or 13. 
So we went to a game. That was the first time I ever went to a nickel state game. But um, I wasn't too familiar with it. I just knew that, you know, everything that I've been around the baseball field, uh, and that was really it, honestly. Uh, you know, I haven't gone there with my dad. But, you know, once I toured the campus, once I went on my official and stuff, it was super cool, and uh, I enjoyed it. No, oh, absolutely. You kind of talked about it. You didn't know you had it in you at the showcase and everything, but you get in there, you see action in all 18 games, obviously a shortened 2020 uh, season while making 16 starts, finished with a 365 batting average along with squad highs and hits, RBIs, run scored, posted a 13-game hitting streak, and also collected a squad best five multi-hit game, including an impressive four-hit showcasing a home victory over Long Island University. You were named to the 2020 freshman All-American team by Collegiate Baseball. So, again, more success in the shortened season, but tell us the most valuable thing that you learned during that season. Obviously, we, we talked to a lot of guys during that season. That was Nobody knew how to kind of deal with it, but how, what did you learn from it? Yeah, uh, going into my freshman year that fall, going to Nickel State was a complete shock, like, for me as a baseball player. You know, going from high school and just practicing – you know, probably two hours a day and going to like, you know, four and a half, five hour practices and absolutely grinding. You know, I did not know what I was in for, but, you know, I'm not, I'm never somebody that's going to run away from the grind. I, I love working hard. And, you know, so going into the season, I was obviously a freshman, you know, worried about playing time and I didn't start the first game. And then I got a pinch, I got a pinch hit, struck out, on, I think three pitches. And then, uh, the next game, we had a doubleheader the opening day. So the next game, I got another pinch hit and I hit a homer. And from there, I was completely relaxed. My dad just said, you know, you open the floodgates, just let them have it. So, you know, I just staying in touch with my dad and, you know, him telling me, man, just go have fun, just enjoy it. And that's what I did. No, absolutely. So kind of that summer, you go play ball in Orlando with the Sanford River Rats. With future teammate Dylan Cruz, obviously we don't need to go through his credentials. The guy is an absolute stud. But talk to me about that summer for you personally. Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. So the day uh, before I went to Orlando, I get a call because like once COVID hit, I already announced that I was uh, you know leaving Nichols. I was going to Delgado, and so once like everything was legal. Coach Nolan Kane calls me. He's like, hey, man, you know, we want you to come be a Tiger. I was like, you don't have to say anymore. I'm there. You know, I, I'm absolutely. It was LSU's my dream school since I was, you know, five years old. So I call no, Coach Coach Kane. We're trying to get everything set up. Uh, you know, everything happens so fast. It's all happened in one day. And then Coach Maneri calls me. I talked to Coach Maneri. I talked to Coach Eddie Smith. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, like, can I go play summer ball anywhere? Like, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm just sitting at home, you know, and coach Eddie Smith was like, yeah, you're going to live with Dylan Cruz. And I was on the plane the next day. So, <laughs> you know, I, I texted Dylan, he came, picked me up from the airport and then, you know, the rest is history. Oh, absolutely. So obviously you talked about it. You end up at Delgado the next season, kind of talked about how the change kind of happens, but I kind of want to go through some of, some of these Juco all American honors, 386, 15 doubles, 16 homers, 71 RBIs, 813 slugging percentage and a 469 on base percentage. Obviously, those are outstanding numbers. There's clearly a trend here. Um, something that for you that was consistent through high school and college is a really high batting average. And we talked about obviously your dad being the hitting coach and you know having that to lean on. But how do you keep that average so high? What's that? What's the secret? 
Man, um, you know, for me, it's just really having fun and not pressuring myself too much. Uh, you know, when I put too much pressure on myself, that's when everything starts to crumble. And, uh, you know, in junior college and high school, I went out there and I just really had the most fun I could. And, you know, last year when I struggled, I was just putting too much pressure on myself, trying to chase hits instead of just going up there with a plan, you know. And uh, Coach Sherman at Delgado, who is unbelievable, one of the best people I've ever met, uh, you know, he helped me out a lot. He's an unbelievable baseball mind. He's one of the best baseball managers I've ever been around. Um, you know, he's got the Juco game down to a T. So, you know, I just listened to him, bounce ideas off of him. And, uh, you know, he pretty much laid it out for me how to be successful. And I just, I followed his plan and it worked. Yeah. And, and you've mentioned it, obviously, LSU being your dream school. So we're going to jump a little bit. And I'm going to read a quote that you said. Growing up in Louisiana, LSU has always been my dream school to play baseball. I want to win a national championship in front of the best fans in college baseball. So talk to me, uh, Braden. Uh, what is it like when you get that call? How did it all go down when you found out that you were going to get to your, go to your dream school and play for the LSU Tigers? Yeah, so I got the call. I was at my house just sitting there, me and my parents and uh, my grandmother, my grandfather. I get the call. I'm, I'm talking to Coach Nolan, and, uh, you know, I knew – the second he called me that I was like it, once he said that we're interested, I knew for sure that that's where I was going to, you know, be. Um, so I told my dad, I told my mom, I told my grandmother, my grandparents, they're all they're crying, you know, because my dad's dream growing up was to play at LSU as well. So, you know, we don't we never had we had the Zephyrs. I guess that was it, you know, and that and LSU is the next big thing. So I went to LSU games growing up. And it was just the coolest thing in the world to me. So, you know, everybody was crying. It was such a surreal moment for me and my family. And, uh, you know, we're just very blessed to be in this position. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you get to LSU. What are the wave of emotions the first time you step out onto Alex Box, knowing that you are an official member of the LSU baseball team? Yeah, it was it was so cool. I got to, uh, you know, I just went on the field and I walked around. I went in the center field and I was just staring at the stadium and I was like, man, this is awesome. You know, like, I don't understand how you can come here and just not love every single second of it. It's, it's the best place ever. And, you know, we get to show up to this unbelievable stadium every day and, and practice. So, you know, it's just, it's so fun. It's, it's better than everything I imagined and I'm loving it. Yeah. I mean, as many guests as we have that have played at big time schools, you know, you're one of the few that has this story of getting to play the, the dream school, even, you know, guys who played at the biggest of big schools, those weren't necessarily their dream schools and they didn't grow up there like you. So for you, it's just, I mean, it's really cool that you were able to accomplish this and be there now, obviously. And so we talked about you and Dylan Cruz having that relationship playing together, you know, how nice was it? Cause you know, usually you get into a program, maybe you don't know anybody, maybe you do, but you know, you got a guy you played with, you even lived with, I heard during, you know, uh, that travel ball team. So what's it like having a guy like that um, that you can kind of talk to and get acquainted with when you get there? Yeah, man, it was super easy for me coming in. Um, you know, I knew I knew Dylan. I knew Jordan. I met Jordan through Dylan. Obviously, they were roommates before. Uh, I knew Kay Doty and Hayden Travinsky were the only guys I knew on the team. But the second I stepped in the locker room, I felt like I was there for three years. Like the way that the team brought me in and, you know, took me in, it was such a good feeling because as a freshman at Nichols, you know, it wasn't really like that. I had to... Uh, you know, I wouldn't say earn my stripes, but it was just a little different. The vibe was a little different. You know, you had to uh, 
you know, you just had to push a little harder. So coming in, it was, uh, it was super comfortable for me, man. You know, I, I'm very blessed to have all these great teammates Beloso, Gavin, you know, everybody, they, they welcomed me in with uh, open arms and it was just a super, super good feeling. Yeah. And it's not a surprise. I tell these guys about it all the time when, you know, I first started going to the games um, meeting all the dads and hanging out, they welcomed me in with open arms. And next thing you know, I felt like I know these guys forever. You know, I'm going down there this weekend to watch y'all play and I'm, I'm excited. I feel like I'm going to see family. Like, and so it's not a surprise that, you know, their sons are the same way, you know, y'all, y'all vibe and y'all, y'all are like family and y'all take care of each other. So, you know, you come in there, Jay Johnson comes in and there's a lot of changes, but a lot of expectations because it's LSU and for y'all it's Omaha and national titles, you know, period. So, you know, let's get into it. For you, 59 games, batting 246, 18 home runs, 58 RBIs, and 46 runs. So the power numbers are there, but for the first time ever, the batting average dipped. Would you attribute this to the difference in playing, you know, SEC, you know, pitching? Uh, no. Uh, obviously, it's better, and, um, you know, the uh, the competition is better, but you know, I feel like last year was a super weird year for me uh, mentally. You know, I, I went through a lot of uh, ups and downs, you know, as a um, on the emotional side. And, you know, I was DHing all the time. Um, you know, I feel that I hit a little better when I play in the field. So DHing, you know, I like to, you know, not take my bats to the field, worry about something else. But, you know, when you go sit in the dugout for, you know, 30 minutes before your next at bat, you know, it's a little tough and, you know, that's not an excuse, but I felt that had a little something to do with it on my end, but I obviously could have done better with a lot of things. And, you know, um, I learned a lot from last year, you know, I'm glad I wouldn't change anything if I went back. Um, yeah. With the average being down. Yeah. Like I said, I, I learned a lot from it and uh, you know, this year we're hoping to get it back up. Yeah, no doubt. You obviously want to get it back up, but I mean, the, like I said, the power numbers were there. You you sure didn't give us anything short on the highlight reel, my guy. Like, I mean, we, when you hit bombs, you hit bombs. So, and I want to get right into that. I want to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about the gauntlet of the SEC, and we're going to talk about the team as a whole. But, Braden, we have a thing on this show. Uh, me, Randy, and Daniel, we all collectively hate two teams. We have never had a Vanderbilt guest or a Florida guest on purpose because we do not like either never team. will. And we never will. And – it was perfect when I was getting through going through your stats and I saw when you were the SEC player of the week and it was perfect. And for the reason why. So let's talk about that week where you started the week with a two homer game against Northwestern state, but then you go into Vandy's house, my guy, and you hit three bombs with 10 RBIs. So talk to me about that, especially because I happened to be there in Baton Rouge when y'all came off a really bad weekend against Ole Miss, but you turn around Y'all go to Vanderbilt and take care of business, and you have a weekend like that. Talk to me about it. Yeah, so right before that, me and our hitting coach, uh, Coach Wanaka, we call him Chief. You know, um, we were working on a little a little swing tweak, and we put my hands lower. So I don't know what it is, but every time I feel like that I make a little swing tweak, I just, you know, I do a lot better. <laughs> so it's different. Like, it's crazy. So once I made a little swing tweak, I made a swing tweak uh right before the Florida series and right before Vandy so you know they both ended up working but going into Vandy uh you know Northwestern State I hit two homers that day it really boosted my confidence going into the weekend and you know I felt 
I was very streaky last year. So once I hit a homer, my confidence went through the roof. And, you know, I just knew that I was going to, going to go in there and have a good weekend. Our team was hot. And, you know, we, we ended up putting it on Vandy. But it was a super fun weekend to be a part of the team and, you know, go there and sweep them at home. Yeah, well, and, you know, talk to me because, I mean, like I said, I happened to be there when Ole Miss came to town. And, I mean, that was just a, a rough, rough weekend for y'all. So how good did it feel to, to bounce back like that that next weekend? Yeah, it was it was a super good feeling. And the last game, the Sunday game, being down, I think it was 8-1 or 7-1 um, and coming back and scoring, what, I think it was 20-something runs. It was Yeah, it was unreal. <laughs> it was it was awesome, man. And uh it was a really good momentum booster going into the SEC tournament for sure. Yeah, George Cruz texted me and said, if you want to know how to shut the Vandy Whistler up, drop 20, 20 piece on them. That'll, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as a team, y'all went 40 and 22. Obviously, you lost in the, the regionals in Hattiesburg. But, you know, let's start. I want to talk to you. I was at the Shriners Classic, man. You know, how cool is it playing in Minute Maid Park, um, you know, with those other high caliber teams? That was my first time ever playing at an MLB stadium, and it was unbelievable. Playing, I think we played in front of like 26,000 in the Texas game. The LSU-Texas game. I, I sent these guys a video of, of the fans going back and forth. It was it was nice. It was insane, man. It was, it was super cool. And we got to take BP there, and that was always something that I wanted to do was take a BP, take a BP round in a major league stadium and – I let it eat, man. I was trying to launch balls. It was it was super fun. Well, well, speaking of launch, I know this episode's about you, but let's talk about Jordan Thompson. Man, I mean, for you as somebody, you said that's one of your boys. Like, to see him absolutely mash that ball, what was that like? Oh, I, you know, I wouldn't have wanted that for anybody else. JT is – that's my guy. He's my roommate as well. Um, you know, he's such a good person. You know, he works extremely hard and – you know, for that to happen to him, he's been through a lot. He's He gets a lot of hate being the shortstop at LSU. And, you know, nobody deserves that. But, you know, he takes it so well. And, you know, I have so much respect for him. And uh, it was awesome, man. That was one of the, my favorite moments as a baseball player. Yeah. So, you know, outside of the Vandy series we talked about, you know, what was your other, uh, you know, in the SEC specifically, what would you say was your other favorite series that y'all had as a team? Not 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 just for you individually, but as a team. Um, I think Florida for sure. Florida was, you know, we weren't playing too great. We went into the Friday night game. We faced Barco. And then, you know, we had a few guys step up and, you know, talk to the team in a little huddle. And then the the Saturday game energy was unbelievable. From the first pitch Bluetooth to the last disconnected. Pitch, it was Super, super cool. It was crazy energy. And, you know, I think Trey started off with a homer that Saturday and that just exploded the weekend. So definitely the Florida weekend for sure. So, guys, can we safely say Braden's one of our favorite guests because they can, they take care of Florida and Vandy, right? Like, I mean, obviously, Randy, I know your balls did that too, but, I mean, y'all took care of everybody. So that's different. Anybody that takes care of Florida <laughs> and Vandy is a friend of mine. So, uh, you know, another cool moment uh, – 
was I, I couldn't be there for the whole weekend. My daughter had an out-of-town tournament in St. Louis. She's a she's a club soccer player, but I got to be there for the Friday night game in Starkville. You know, talk to me. Obviously, y'all come back and win. Um, uh, Dylan Cruz hits the big bomb, you know, but, you know, du- the Duty Noble is just known. Um, obviously, you got to see what it was like in that atmosphere. How cool was, you know, that series for you and getting those wins? Yeah, that was awesome, man. Mississippi State was one of the coolest places to play. And, you know, they had fans – going crazy but you know I actually have a pretty cool story about Mississippi State I played the last game ever on the first duty noble field so for the East Coast Sox they were uh just about to demolish the stadium and rebuild the new one um or you know whatever they did uh so there was literally no seats in the whole stadium like half of the grass was torn up we went over there and played a tournament and I played the last game over there and it was a super cool experience so I got to play the last game there and one of the one of the games in the new one so that that stadium is unbelievable and it, it was so cool yeah no it's funny you bring that up we had Elijah McNamee on last week and you know he actually played through that they actually you know were doing renovations you know through the season and so they actually had to go from you know having huge crowds to small crowds and, you know, it bounced around. So, um, yeah, but you know, now it's, I mean, that place is massive and, and cool, cool place to play. And I haven't heard a single opposing player say that they didn't enjoy their time there. Did you get fed while you were there? No, I did not. They offered me some during BP, but, but I didn't do it. It was, oh, it was during awesome. BP, they were trying to fatten you up. I, uh-huh. <laughs> I got you. So, you know, Y'all went to Hattiesburg. I was there for the first two games. Uh, got to see y'all win. Unfortunately, had to leave. I thought y'all had it in the bag. Um, I, you know, clear cut thought you were a better team. You know, we've had some of your teammates on, um, specifically like Eric Razelman, who just talked about there was no doubt in his mind that y'all were a better team. And it's not to sound salty, but would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, and so, I mean, I feel like, uh, I mean, and he and he talked about it. Uh, you know, he said it, he felt like it was on the pitchers, and, you know, I obviously was watching from home. He said it just felt like uh, they had it that day, and, you know, that's baseball. He said it felt like mm-hmm. they were hitting everything we were throwing, and um, and it's just unfortunate because he said he really wanted y'all to get that that rubber match with Ole Miss, too. So, oh, um, man, that would have been something. Absolutely. That series, the uh, the Southern Miss series, man, that was, that was a heartbreaker for us. Uh, you know, we played our hard outs. We obviously fell short, but you know, the two comebacks in the in that regional were were crazy. But I feel like we were definitely the best team in that regional for sure. And uh, everybody was, you know, upset with the way things turned out. But you know, we're gonna bounce back this year for sure. Yeah, and that's right where I was gonna go. Obviously, it leaves a hunger coming into this season. And uh, as I said, you know. LSU, it's all about titles. And, you know, Randy read your quote, and that, that was one of the things that you want to accomplish while you're there. It's not just playing at LSU, but it's winning a national ch- championship. And, you know, this year, everybody knows it's on. Um, you know, with what y'all have returning, you know, who y'all recruited, who's transferred in, obviously most people feel like it's the scariest lineup, um, you know, you can possibly have. I, I feel that way. So let's jump into it. Uh, I've gotten to watch y'all a, a lot in fall this uh, this you know, season and so far, you know, been seeing the stats and everything. And that lineup is showing everything of what people are expecting. So, you know, talk to me about what you just feel like you're seeing from from everybody and how good it feels. Yeah, I think, you know, last fall we had a very good expectation for ourselves, but I feel that, you know, going into this season, it'll be even higher. Um, you know, Coach Jay says, you know, we have all the talent, but you know, that doesn't matter. So 
you know, we put in the work. We, uh, you know, we're just trying to get closer as a team, trying to have a very good chemistry and, you know, go and have a great season. But, you know, I think everybody's eyes are on our lineup. But I'm telling you, man, our pitching staff this year is going to be unbelievable. I can't wait to see how they do. And, you know, we're going to be a very hard team to beat this year for sure. You need to quit reading my notes because I was going there next, Braden. But, no, uh, before I get into the pitching, you know, I was just going to ask, of the guys who's transferred in, man, obviously a lot of big names. We just had Tommy White on here. Obviously, you know, about Skinness and all them guys, you know. Just, uh, you know, honestly, like, who, who's just impressed you the most? And I'm going to put you on the spot with that. It's it's not the dog of the other guys, but, you know, just who's really, like, marveled you? In terms of, like, on the mound? No, hitting. We're going to get into pitching. In oh, hitting, okay. Um. Man, I know it's hard, man. Yeah, I got a lot of them. Yeah, I think everybody self. <laughs> everybody's such a good player, man. You know, uh, we have a bunch of extremely good hitters on our team. Um, hmm. You know what? I'm not gonna do it to you. I'm gonna let you side. We're gonna move yeah. it to you. I, if I feel like you don't want to do it, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No, gonna man. It. It's just you know, Paul Skeens. He can absolutely rake. Tommy obviously can rake. Dylan is one of the most fun baseball players I've seen. Uh, you know, it's just, there's, there's so many guys that are so good. It's hard to pick one. Yeah, no doubt. And so you talked about the pitching, you know, uh, when I was there, obviously you talked about schemes, uh, man, Ty Floyd, other guys looked real good. Um, so my question for you is obviously you talked about the talent, give us some names that maybe, you know, people don't know about that, that aren't the big names tell me some guys that have really impressed you and that people should be on the lookout for um Gavin Gidry has been having a very good fall uh you know in terms of on the mound Thatcher Hurd obviously Christian Little um Grant Taylor is going to have an unbelievable year this year I feel like he's going to be a first rounder this year he has been he's been doing exceptional on the mound um and I think I think Ty is going to have a, an extremely extremely good year. He's it's me, him, and Jordan in, in our room. So you know we get to bounce ideas off of each other, and uh, you know he, he he gets the best of us sometimes. But you know uh, it's fun facing him. So we get to come home and talk trash. But he is he he is a very electric pitcher. Yeah the uh, the last scrimmage I came to, he uh, he went two innings, and it was perfect because Tommy was coming on. Um, right after in uh, those two innings I mean he was lights out and Tommy even talked about it because he got him with three straight sliders and he and and Tommy was just talking about it was filthy and so Ty definitely looked good in the the appearance that I got to see him but you know obviously y'all got uh y'all got some scrimmages coming up starting tomorrow uh, I'll be out there Friday and then you've got a you know scrimmage against McNeese on Sunday so uh, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it to you, Braden, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to see at least one bomb while I'm out there. You know, no pressure. I mean, it's what you do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But uh, with that, I'm gonna let Daniel play the game. You are now off the hot seat talking baseball. All right, Braden. Now it's to the to the fun part. We're gonna play a little game called this or that. You down? Okay. I got it. Sorry. All right. So it's it's very simple. I give you two options. And some of these questions have thrown me for a loop because now some of them give you three options. So the, this or that really, or that. Yeah, this or that or that. So okay. 
just pick one option or the other. Be decisive. Don't say both. Don't say neither, man. Just go with whatever whatever hits you in the heart, man. That's, that's, that's all we care about. Okay. All right. First question. This is a, a easy one, or I think it's easy. Pizza or tacos? Oh. I, I thought it was easy. First time I met him, he's eating tacos. Yeah, I was <laughs> eating some tacos. Uh, man, I got to go tacos. Definitely. Tacos. Danny, right. I told you about that before you continue on. I love it. He looks at me and goes, my name's Braden Joe Bear. Like, I know who the hell you are. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's got a mouth full of, full of gordita crunch. So. <laughs> All right. Rap, rock, or country music? Got to pick one. What you going Rap. with? Rap. Rap. Little, little baby. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's got more swagger? Dylan Cruz or Tommy White? Or is it you? On the field or off the field? Let's start with on the field. On the field. Man. I think Dylan's got more of like a little subtle drip, but it's definitely there. I think Tommy's is a little more out there, but oh man, I th I think I'll give it to Dylan. And he he once once he brings out the turtleneck, it's over with. <laughs> if they were to do a giveaway item and it was either Tommy's chain or Dylan's shades, you know, what do you think would be the hotter giveaway item? <laughs> It's chain every time, bro. Yeah, I don't know. Dylan's shades are on point, bro. Not like that chain. <laughs> no. Yeah, I might have to go with the chain on that one. What? Uh, what about what about off the field? You guys are, I don't know. You're going to the the game this weekend. I'm assuming. Who? who? And you can pick yourself. Yeah, you can. Oh, uh, in terms of off the field, honestly, I might go with me. I'm a big. I'm a big Jordan oh, fan. Oh, snap. Oh, look. Now, look, we, I'm going to tell you, we've had a shoe connoisseur on this show not long ago, and she rolled out some that I don't know that you could compete with, man. I mean, she unboxed them and everything, right? Yeah, They're unboxed the and then unbagged. Unboxed yeah. and then unboxed and then unbagged. Yeah. Louis Vuitton's. Oh, no, I don't I don't have any of that designer stuff. But, you know, I got, I got a few good pairs over here. I got the UNC ones and some Travis Scott Jordans, but – Okay. No, I don't have. Well, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, boys, that might be one of the best backdrops. He's got the shoe game uh, on display. Shoe game right <laughs> next to the guitar, ladies. In case you're watching, yeah. <laughs> yep. your body is wonderland. Oh, that's what I sang. But okay, never mind. Y'all go ahead then. <laughs> All right. Would you rather attend a concert or a sporting event? And I'll make it make it, you know, a little bit more specific for you. It's a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event. Can only pick one of them. Which one? Man, I don't know. I've been to Game Seven of the World Series before, and it was super, super cool. But if I got to see Travis Scott in concert, I think I'd rather that. Honestly, man, how cool is that? Yeah, you got to be careful going to them concerts, Daniel. How cool? Yeah, is that? No, yeah, you're right. My man said, I've already been to game seven that, of the World Series. Excuse me. That's what I was going to say. We have, we have guests come on here and just say they want to go to the World Series, and he just flexes. Yeah, I've been to game seven of the World Series. It was Which game year? seven was it? Yeah. It was 2019. It was a crazy, crazy day. So I'm, I'm at Nickel State, a freshman. 
I'm in class. My dad texts me. He's like, hey, it's like 12 in the afternoon. He's like, hey, you want to go to game seven tonight? And I was like, hell yeah. So Say less. Yeah, we had practice at two. So I'm like, dad, there's no way I can go. We have practice, you know. I walk into my coach's office. So the answer is no so far. I walk into Coach Thibodeau's office. I'm like, hey, my dad just asked me to go to game seven. I told him no, that I make a mistake. He said, you made the biggest mistake of your life. I said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so I drove to the airport straight from the field, and we we flew out to game seven. I was wearing everything I had on from the field, and it was so cool. Damn, that's, that's what's up, man. Yeah, it was all a right. great experience. Who are you looking forward to hosting more, Arkansas or Tennessee? Tennessee, 100%. You got to. You got. You want to elaborate on that? That you, was such. You got a. Vicious. You got a receipt oh. for them. You got Man. receipts for them. Uh, I can tell you, not me personally, but a lot of people in our team is not a fan of the Vols. So, you know, having the experience with Dylan's freshman year, going, I think, was it zero for five against Tennessee? I think it was the Supers. Yeah, uh, we have, we have a vengeance for Tennessee. So that ten, that that Tennessee series is going to be super fun, especially with the pitching matchups that we're going to have. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward let to me, that. Let one. me tell you, Braden, Randy will tell you firsthand, Fontenot came on here and was trying to, like, claim that he had no ill will towards Tennessee. And we didn't release video back then. But if it was there, you could see his face and you could see really how bad he was lying. We're like, hey, man, do you hate Tennessee? He's like, of course I don't hate Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, uh, yeah, no, a lot of players. So when they went to Tennessee for the series, the Tennessee fans got on them hard. So – yeah, they got something coming. Ooh, got Ooh. something coming, Randy. Ooh, I like Randy. it. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Would you rather play wiffle ball or would you rather play dodgeball? Wiffle ball. See, there it goes, guys. That so we we've we've come up with a, a theory here. Any position guy or guy that hits bombs wants to play wiffle ball, but any pitcher wants to play dodgeball like it, it really facts yeah i don't Pretty know the wiffle balls move they move crazy when you throw. i don't know nothing beats throwing a dodgeball and hitting somebody right in the face yeah you're <laughs> all right that's true daniel you know though the pitchers you know wiffle ball might be their one chance of hitting it so you might they might want to play no these dudes can't hit if they <laughs> trust me <laughs> Braden can vouch. There ain't a there ain't a pitcher one. Well, no, he's a, that, that can swing a bat. Yeah, actually, that's no. They got the uh, college version of Otani, my guy. Well, we one guy. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about pitcher only. <laughs> so, them dudes can't swing. They 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 can swing a fungo bat. That's it. <laughs> Stick to that. Uh, would you rather be the hero or the villain? Uh the hero definitely. Who's your favorite superhero? Spider-Man. Man, is Spider -Man. anybody got that's that's been like the universal answer for like the last 10 guys, Daniel? Yeah. Really? I think the web shooters are just super dope. That's that's the thing that gets me. Randy says there's no one better than Batman. It's not even a competition. That's just my personal opinion. You know, Gee, hey. is he even a superhero though? He's Whoa. just he's just rich and he can fight. Oh, yeah. He's got cool gadgets and stuff, but 
He doesn't have. So what would what would you rather be? A dude that shoots webs and can't fight? No, I think I make a fight. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. Are we watching the same movies? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Brian. These dudes are haters. They can pick any old Benedict Cumberbatch to be Spider-Man. <laughs> they, they have to go through hardcore searches for Batman. Whoa, bro. The last dude who played Batman was the dude from Twilight, Daniel. Calm down. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Toby McGuire. Yeah, I was going to say, no, no Toby McGuire. No All right, last question, Braden. Man, who, who's taking the win this weekend? Obviously, it's, uh, you know, a bunch of good matchups, but in regards to the number one team versus the number three team, Georgia, Tennessee, who, who you got? Man, how is Georgia's defense this year? Is it like it was last year? Not quite. I mean, numbers-wise, they're really, really good. But as far as that dominant bunch of NFL players, they don't have that. Man, I don't know. I went to the Tennessee game when they came here, and their offense was so fast-paced, and they just moved the ball down the field so quick and so so much with authority. I talked to one of my friends that was on the football team, and he said they were just – you know, their offense was dominant. So, man, honestly, I think I'm going to have to go with Tennessee. Ooh. The right choice. I think it's going to be a, a very, very good matchup, but the the, ha- the hatred for Tennessee is there, but it's not as as heated as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm see, I've only played them one time, and it was in the it was in the tournament, so I don't really have that you know deep hate for them, but I know a few people in our squad do for sure. Well, I'm going to well, be down it, there. That's going to be the biggest series. I mean. I'm hoping it's number one and number two, like the preseason rankings guy. That's going to be on. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an exciting year. And, man, we're, we're looking forward to it. Um, obviously, a lot of hype around the, the LSU squad that, that's coming in um, this year. But, Braden, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. Anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? No, man, I just want to say I really appreciate y'all, man. I, uh, I had a great time. Yeah, man. Anytime you got to come back now when, when we uh, get into the season or we get out of the season, uh, whatever's convenient. No, won't you, won't you, you say come the right thing, Daniel, when they win the national championship, just say no, it, no, just damn all it. that Braden. We need you to come back on before the Tennessee series. Let's just talk about it. You know, let's be okay. friends. Why don't you want to do it after you scared? Yeah, let's do it after. Let's do it after. No. Oh, Lord. <laughs> all right. All right. Bet. I'll be Batman. You be Spider-Man. I like my chances. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go. I never thought that hero villain question would ever break out. You like know that. what? You know what? Brayden, I'm coming down to Baton Rouge. I'm coming to see it in person, baby. Come on. I want to see you here. Let's go. Let's, let's yeah. go. But look, I'm still going to look either way it goes. Y'all beat us. We beat, it don't matter. We still go dap each other up after the game. It's all good. Oh, love. Yeah. Yep. For sure, man. All right. If y'all want to know more than more about Braden Jobert, if you want to know more about LSU baseball, if you just want to see what he's doing on, on, on just a random Tuesday, going over to Instagram at Braden Jobert or follow him at LSU baseball. Braden, man, it's been a pleasure. We hope to have you back here soon, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. You got it, man. That's Braden Jobert, everybody. We are going to take a quick little break, but when we come back, we got some headlines. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. 
What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary, pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Leading off, maybe for the last time this year, we got baseball. We got the World Series currently in progress. Game three. Uh, no, game four. Game, game four. One. Yeah, two to one. Phillies are up. Um, Randy, you, uh, you right on the nose with the Phillies, getting hot at the right time. Um, obviously last, last night, you know, they, they had some type of something on McCullers cause they were teeing off on that guy and it didn't get better when he came out of the game, they were just crushing the ball. Um, but you know, tonight's a different story. It looks like the, the Astros are getting a little vengeance, um, up five runs right now, but you know, two to one in the Phillies favor. If the Astros win, uh, they even the series. You know, Randy, I'll, I'll start with you. Are you surprised in how well the Phillies are playing or this is exactly what you, you expected when you picked them as for them to be in a dogfight with them, the, the bats to come alive? Yeah, that's pretty much what I said. I think we, when we picked here, I think it was last week, I picked the Phillies in seven, if I'm not mistaken. And the reason was the bats. I thought, but I will be honest, obviously, I don't know if you, I don't remember if you said the score or not, but you said they were getting vengeance. The Astros are up five to nothing. And this is a night that Aaron Nola was going. So I felt like this was a chance for the Phillies to really take control. And so for them not to be able to do that, but I'm going to put the curse out there. My boy Javier's had a no hitter. Phillies, get you a hit, dog. No hitter into the seven. Hey, I'll, I'll say this because you brought up Nola, though. Hey, a big advantage happened. He may not have had his best stuff tonight, but the rain out and pushing the game back has now made it to where Nola will be able to pitch that game seven. So Randy's prediction looks just a little bit better knowing, especially because, you know, how often do guys that are that good have two rough games in a row? Yeah, no doubt. I think that one thing that, uh, you, you know, you touched on it and you texted us this in real time was that McCullers, they were, he was clearly tipping his pitches, and then I watched it be broken down. And obviously, as a pitcher, I'm sure that you can notice things like this. His leg kick on a fastball was completely different than his leg kick on a slider or off-speed or whatever. And a hitter like Bryce Harper or hit Reese Hoskins and Schwarber, those guys are going to pick up on that immediately, and you called it in real time. Bryce Harper saw it, hit a bomb, comes as soon as he gets over to home plate, takes him to the side, to, hey, this is what I saw, bam, and they're off to the races. So, uh, a lot. I saw a lot of commentary, and maybe as a pitcher you see this different, that that was dirty of Bryce Harper to do. And I feel like that's just people being haters on Bryce Harper because of who he is. Because to me, if you're a pitcher, you're looking for something that guy does to tip his tendencies as well. So if you're going to give me what you're doing with a pitch, I'm going to use it. And I'm going to tell my teammates. I don't, I don't mean yeah, I don't if, think there, if there's ever a team that you're going to be – upset about something like that it's the astros well yes <laughs> give, give me a break yeah. but i don't i mean i don't i don't see how that's cheating at all like you said randy like i mean why would you not give that information to your teammates it's i mean it's no different than it's not even tipping pitches let's just talk about if it's the pitches in general daniel knows i mean it's 
you're going to tell them what's working and what's not and what to look for when you come to the plate. I mean, that's just basic baseball. But what I thought was the coolest thing that came from the whole thing was I know y'all seen the Randy Johnson thing, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. uh, oh, dang, I'm, I'm blanking. Who was the player? That, Eduardo that, Perez. Yeah. And, and literally screenshotted pictures with him showing that he would hold his glove in a certain way when he's got those pitches. And I thought that was awesome that he said he, you know, I never told him in real time, but I'm going to drop it to him now. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there's no difference, and like th this happens in multiple aspects of the game is still in signs and trying to pick up tells on pitchers. With the amount of data that's out there, you could probably tell what guys are going to throw just based on simple analytics and what they throw in certain counts over the course of the season. What is helpful is being able to time it when you get tells from the pitcher. So when the pitcher's doing certain things during the delivery or prior to the delivery that helps you in the moment be able to make small, quick adjustments, like that's everything. Um, or even, you know, I'm on second base and I can look in at the signs or even look in the pitcher's glove and see what pitch they're throwing, how they're gripping the ball. All of those things that people may not know that's being discussed is being discussed in the dugout on a all the time um that's part of why these guys are as good as they are because you have guys that are clearly good at doing that so um i mean i think we all all you know got this being you know a dog fight we got you know jim's got the astros in five i got the astros in six randy you got the phillies in seven i mean i don't think in in either one of those scenarios where it it could be wrong like it's going to be good for baseball. I mean, this ended up being, you know, a, a pretty good series thus far. I can't wait for Randy to drop. Uh, you know, uh, he he always gets the ratings. I want to know what the ratings end up being for this, especially because it wasn't like we said, it wasn't the Yankees, Dodgers, right? But I feel like, you know, like you're talking about Daniel, with these teams being, you know, somewhat evenly matched in the way it's kind of played out. Maybe they weren't throughout the regular season. Um, and if it goes to seven, you know, like I, I want to know how many people are actually watching this good series. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me as a baseball fan, you know, and I'll, I'll end it on this is that I always, you know, if my team's not playing, I always want it to go seven games. I just want it to extend and get give me as much of the sport as possible, especially now when we know this is it for a while. Uh, I actually have the ratings. Oh, here we go. What what are we looking at? World Series Game Three averaged nine point four million viewers and a two point one rating on Tuesday night, which improved off of nine point three million last year. Now that was the Phillies blank and the Astros. It really wasn't that close of a game. I want to. There's a little comparison here. Compared NBC, to like a Sunday night football. Well, that's no comparison. That's like twenty five million. But I was just but, curious to see like what is like king in comparison to like baseball saying, Oh, we got better from the year before, but like, it's still nowhere in the realm of no. what football is. No. And, and I think you've seen this year that college football is out drawing the MLB, even in the world series. Cause if you get 9.4, I think the most watched college football game this year, I don't, I'm not, I guess I know it is was Tennessee, Alabama. And it was something like 12.2 or 12.3 million, but the like so this is actually kind of surprising maybe you guys know this maybe you don't nbc's the voice obviously everybody's familiar with it they actually drew a 5.6 that's 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 pretty substantial new amsterdam no idea what that is that gets a 2.8 
Bachelor in Paradise, DB's favorite show. Mm, love it. A 2.3. It dipped week to week, by the way. I just I've never seen it, but out. I think I knew Anderson. You know why? One of those other medical shows that they, you know, the it, new trending medical show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Bachelor, it dips because you have these fans that are followers of one person in particular. And when they're off, they're like, I'm out. Screw this show. So the opening game of the World Series, when we get into that, actually opened at a three-year high. The network averaged 11.48 million game one. That's 6-5 thriller. So they've actually dipped for the last two games. It's been that 9.3 to 9.5. So it's, it's, it's dipping, man. It's dipping as it goes on. Maybe it'll pick back up if we get to a game seven. Do you think this number is is high, like significantly higher if it's the Yankees or the Dodgers? I don't think it's. I think it's higher. Maybe they get to be ten million instead of if it's the Yankees and Dodgers. But no, I don't. I don't think that it's significantly higher because I think if you look, it's a three year high. We've had the. We've had the dot. We last year where we had the Braves and the. Tonight, who did they play? Astros, didn't they? Yeah, maybe, I feel like the Astros are always there. And then we have obviously the you know the Dodgers have been there. I, I don't know, man. No, I don't think it's significantly higher. I think this is what baseball is. So I guess that that's what I was getting to is we can narrow it down. Like you know, baseball has you know its people, and it's 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 not really a whole lot they can do to make it significantly higher. Like having the teams or even having the the star power on a team isn't going to budget that much to move the needle too far forward. So um, I guess we take what we can get and enjoy the fact that 9 million other people are out there enjoying the game. Uh, Looking at NBA, you know, Grizzlies in particular, um, obviously, you know, they're back in action tonight. They're at Portland. Um, Just came off a loss to the Jazz. Four three, yeah, two losses. Which you know, when you you look at it, you know, I think before the season started, you go, all right, the Jazz. That's you know, given the way the schedule worked, we should have won at least one of those games, if not both of those games. Um, you know, we didn't. We're sitting at four and three. We're playing pretty decent right now, to You know, record wise, a five and one Portland team. That's that's pretty good. Um, you know. Randy, where are the Grizzlies? Is it defense? Is it offense? What what's is four and three just kind of we just need to be patient, or is four and three concerning, you know, given coming off two losses to the Jazz? No, I think that you kind of touched on the schedule losses, but I think if you look at it before you go out there, obviously the Jazz did really what people would consider a fire sale. They got rid of Gobert, they get rid of uh Donovan Mitchell, and then you think like, okay, well, those are games you should at least split. And the first game, the Jazz are coming off of a back-to-back, and you should have had them, and you just didn't execute at the end. But you didn't have John Morant. He was out with, uh, allegedly with the flu. We don't actually know. We just know it was non-COVID. So Ja comes back the next day, not expecting to be 100%, and gets 37, and they get blown out. Uh, they just defensively is where I saw the lapses. They allowed the Jazz to hit like 19 threes, shoot 40% from three, where they only shot under 30% from three. So – I think that what the Grizzlies are going to have to do is get the defensive rotations figured out because the man-to-man defense was actually pretty good, but when a rotation came or a screen came high, they don't adjust well. And if Dylan 
is not if Dylan or Desmond and those guys, Tyus, aren't knocking down threes at the same pace, they're going to be in for a long night because there's a lot of open threes. So what has to happen? Is it just a matter of, of getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back and then kind of forcing teams to do something different? Or is it we're going to have to shoot three-pointers well every time in order to win a game? But I hope it's not that because I don't think you can rely unless you're the Warriors on uh, three-pointers all the time. What I think they're going to have to do, no, number one, they're going to have to figure out their rotation. It's so early in the season that you're not worried about that at this moment. But I think you, you, you're you getting some things. Like when John Morant wasn't playing, they played Kennedy Chandler. He looked good in some spurts. So I think right now the only thing Taylor Jenkins is trying to figure out is how he can get these guys, guys to communicate with each other on the defensive side. Because offensively, man, they, they got it going on. They, especially, you know that when you have Ja, that's your offense, and the rest of you are just going to fall into place. So where I think he's going to have to do a lot of his focus right now is on the defensive side. I don't know if getting Jaron back helps you with your perimeter defense. That's got to fall on Dylan. And then who else? What's, what is your secondary defender besides Dylan on the perimeter? Ja's not a great defender. Desmond's pretty good. Brandon Clark really can't stay in front of a lot of guards. So – they're going to have to play some team defense and some help side. When uh, Markinen goes 11 for 15 and hit 31, and another point I want to bring up before I get on this tangent is the Grizzlies shot, I think, 42 free throws and only made 23 of them. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's the difference between winning and losing sometimes. Yeah, you missed 19 free throws and you lost by 16 points. I mean, it, you can't do that. It's not as simple as that, but obviously, to your credit, to your point, if you hit half of those, all of a sudden it's a ball game. Anything can happen. Yeah, you you take a, a blowout into a one or two possession game, and okay, like now you got a shot as opposed to being down by fifteen or twenty, you know, at given times. But um, you know, hopefully they pick up a win tonight. Uh, down two currently, about eight minutes left to go in in the first half. But see how it goes. I think you know it's it's gonna be a West that's a dog fight and I think we're probably anywhere in between that three to seven, eight range, just depending on how certain things fall uh, throughout the season. But, you know, we, we talked about communication. We talked about, um, you know, the, the play, but we got to talk about the Lakers, Jim Westbrook in particular coming off the bench. What's first, what is going on out there, and is this the solution to what I think is a, a catastrophic problem that's going on? Yeah, the the team itself is is a problem simply because they um, can't shoot or defend. They've actually improved defensively, but the reason I really want to talk about the Westbrook to the bench thing is uh, last game they got their first W, um, beat the Nuggets, and – Westbrook had 18, 8, and 8 with three steals off the bench. And, and Randy will love this, plus 18 with the bench unit, which predominantly kept Anthony Davis on the floor. And so what this does is it's basically keeping – what they're basically doing is keeping him and LeBron off the floor at the same time. And so they can both be the primary ball handler. And that's what you got to do. Now, the Lakers still got to be able to shoot well. But for the time being, Daniel, 
This is the only solution to possibly fix a problem that you have. The, the two of them, it's not because they don't like each other. They just can't be on the floor at the same time because Russ can't do what he does and LeBron can't do what he does if they're both there. So um, the, the first game they do it, it worked well. The bench unit worked well. Like I said, Anthony Davis played with Russ the majority of the time. Um, it showed because uh, they were he was a plus 18 as well. Um, the first game they did it, the the bench unit was actually good. Uh, again, they they lost. the The starters actually had a uh, had a pretty off game, but I think it's going to work. Right now, they are playing the Pelicans uh, up twelve to ten early. Russ came off the bench. He's only been in one minute, but he's got one rebound, one assist, and uh, two points on on one shot. So um, he's being very efficient. He's distributing. He's doing what he does, and maybe that's ultimately you know. Um, Randy has said it. He he has to be able. It's it's the closest thing he can have to running his own team. Right, is running that second unit. So um, this is the only way. Will it fix them to be a contending team? I don't think so because they just have too many holes. Um, I don't know, Randy. Let's keep it honest. Like if Russ and this bench thing works, what's what's the ceiling for them? Like seven eight. Yeah, play in. That's that's about where I think they could be. Now, I mean, if you get that team to a play in, they could be dangerous for sure. Yeah, because I um, think they got experience. But I just I don't even see that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I'm proud of my boy for buying into this bench unit. We'll we'll see how it works. But um, and then the key thing also, you know, Daniel loves to you know talk about Anthony Davis and his fragileness. Uh, in order for the Lakers to be successful, uh, on top of the fact that they already have the other issues, Anthony Davis has to stay healthy for a season, which is just something that has never been done. Yeah, good, good luck. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's. You know, Daniel, I was going to say real quick, you know, people talk about they gasp when Ja goes in the air, right? Because he does all these crazy things. Man, people gasp when Anthony Davis just like falls to the floor. Like, <laughs> put that man in bubble wrap because all it takes is one little fall, and next thing you know, he's out for six weeks. Right. It's. Uh, I'm surprised. Like he, he's still able to get on the court and lace him up. Like he, I don't know. Do you feel bad because he's not a he's not like a guy to hate? Do you feel bad that he that he endures all the injuries that he does? I mean, not guy like Greg Odom. I, I I feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for a guy like Anthony Davis. I don't. I don't either. He got he's he's gotten the bag. I, so. I knew Randy would say yeah. it's because he's got the bag. That's why yeah. I didn't ask you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're, to your like Greg Odom and guys like that, or like Sean Livingston, which he came back, but he was a superstar before he got hurt, or Brandon Roy, or guys like that. I feel sorry for those guys. Ooh, Brandon Roy, nice name drop. He was a baller. But that guy was da- he was Lillard before Dame existed. That guy was cold. Shooting it from from the half court. All right, guys, let's talk. And Randy, really, the only thing to 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 talk about is is Tennessee football, man, because it was a rather uneventful week of with the exception of Tennessee. Um, you know, Ohio State, you know made it look close against Penn State, but inevitably pulled away. Georgia beat Florida, you know, pretty handily. Um, You know, Michigan beat down, you know, Michigan State in the tunnel and on the field. (laughs) Uh, TCU, you know, sliding through there, 10-point win. Oregon, uh, a win over Cal. You know, the, the, the only, you know, one little 
blemish on on the the scoreboard was well two i guess is wake forest dropping one to louisville pretty big and then kansas blowout kansas state just just oklahoma state didn't even get off the freaking plane hey let me let me ask you a question uh randy you know i was texting y'all in real time you know, I only was watching Florida, Florida, Georgia, because we went to go have dinner at the bar before we went to the fights. And so the game was on TV. I would have never, you know, watched that because I knew what the game was going to be. But remember, I text you as that game. I text both of you as that game completely turned around real quick. I mean, what's Georgia doing shaving points? Because I ain't never seen like a third quarter collapse like that from a team that good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it to be honest with you, if you watch Georgia this year, and I did a lot of recap on the show that I did prior to this one, and Georgia's actually net zero on turnovers this year. Tennessee is plus eight in turnover margin. So I'm talking about turnover margin, obviously. But that's Tennessee's first in the SEC in turnover margin, and Georgia is like 10th or 11th. So they turn the ball over, and I think when you do that, even against a team like Florida, you're giving them more opportunities, and I think that's what you saw. And that's why I think Georgia has – they have weakness. They're not what they were last year because when you turn the ball over consistently and put a young defense on the field that much, they're going to score. The other team's going to score. And they got I mean, it within one score. And, I mean, I've seen your boys on Twitter dropping a lot of highlights of Florida breaking busted coverages, and they're saying, this looks this looks neat. And so, anyway, <laughs> you got Tennessee coming to town, and you let Florida do that. Um, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, speaking of Tennessee, the – Take care of business against Kentucky. It really was wasn't even close. Um, it's a, a good good win going into what's at stake for them this weekend. Um, you know, Randy. Obviously, you watch the game. Obviously, you watch the uh, the rankings. You know, what is it that Tennessee is doing that's good and do they need to change anything this weekend or just continue to keep doing what they're doing well? Yeah, don't change anything. What I think was a, a lot of people, and I, and I know Jim saw this too on Twitter, a lot of people were saying Kentucky has a defense like Tennessee hasn't seen. Kentucky has the athletes. Kentucky can run the ball. Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. And what we saw off of the top was that Tennessee came out punched them square in the mouth and really never looked back. Kentucky comes back and does score a touchdown. You're thinking, okay, tie game. No, they get the extra point block. So it's seven, six off jump. And then all of a sudden you started to see Tennessee as the game goes on, they start to go a little faster and a little faster and a little faster. And everybody stoop said it. Kirby even said it this week. You got it. Brian Kelly said it. No offense to Jim, get your cleats in the ground. That sounds great until you're snapping the ball every 12 seconds and Jalen Hyatt's flying down the field. There was a play, too, and I said this earlier, maybe even on here, was that Cedric Tillman coming back for the Vols was going to be a huge story that nobody talked about because he didn't have big numbers. But they made a switch, and they made a safety come over the top. Cedric Tillman had took an inside slant. Jalen Hyatt literally went 40 yards on a seam route, was never touched. Nobody ever was even near him because you got to respect that. Now, what Tennessee did that was the most impressive to me was on the defensive side of the ball. They First of all, they got back their – um Jalen McCullough, he obviously had some allegations against him that were deemed to be false. And getting him back was huge. They also moved Nico Slaughter to the cornerback position. Tennessee's already third, second in the SEC against stopping the run. And once they stop the run, they're going to make you throw it. And we all know we played football. What can you do when you know they have to pass the ball? Jump the route. 
They jumped the routes, made Will Levis turn the ball over, and then once they started doing that, they pinned their ears back and got after him, and it was never – that game was over with. And what I tried to point out to some Tennessee fans that weren't even listening to me was Tennessee's offense actually didn't – they weren't great. They punted the ball three or four times, and, and I'm not – this is not poor mouthing. I'm saying they didn't even play a complete game on the offensive side, and they won by 38 points. Right. That's how dominant. So if you're listening and you root for Kentucky – this is what y'all are. You're a poverty franchise. I'm sorry to tell you. In and football, you're not. And what you just said about the defense, Randy, so I posted that graphic because people continue to argue with me for whatever reason, That's it, whether they hate Tennessee or, or they love LSU, about the similarity between them in 2019. But you just talking about that defense was another thing because LSU didn't have a juggernaut defense, but they had an opportunistic defense. And, exactly. one, and the one that, uh, you know, Ben did a lot but didn't break. And that – Tennessee has that same similarity. There is so many, and but I think the one thing that Tennessee has that is arguably better is the thing that you touched on, the rate in which they move. I mean, when I was at that game, I have never seen a team that gets lined up so fast that nobody on defense can get in their position. Like, I mean, they're lost. And like, and then when you got a quarterback that you, you were talking about the receivers, but you got a quarterback you got to account for, like who's, who's taking hooker and then who's guarding this guy. Like, like you're in a disarray defensive lineman can't get their fingers on the ground. I mean, it's, it's hard to deal with. And then the running game too. Everybody always talks about the passing game and it's phenomenal, but the running, they average over 200 yards a game on the ground. So, Okay do what you want to do to stop the pass, which you're probably not going to because they run five deep sideline to sideline, a lot like LSU did in 2019, and they got NFL receivers and probably an NFL quarterback. Not saying he's Joe Burrow, but he's really, really good. So try to stop the run or try to stop the pass. All of a sudden, they got two running backs that are going to – with Wright and Jabari Small, Memphis own Jabari Small. They just have so many weapons, and to hear the arguments against Tennessee, I think that people are forgetting – that this team one year ago, 18 months ago, was a dumpster fire. Nobody wanted this job. They didn't – Josh Heupel was not their first pick. Nobody was going to – then when they hired him, Tennessee fans hated the hire. And all of a sudden, within 18 months, this guy's got them number one in the CFP for the first time since the CFP came out. So everybody talks about the players, and it should go about that. But shout out to Josh Heupel for the job that he's done in such a short time. And I think that's why – Hey, me and Jim talked about this. I know we did. Let's say Tennessee goes and they lose to Georgia. Right. So, okay, you lose to Georgia. Say it's seven, ten points. Now you're a one-loss team. What do you drop to? Four? Five? You're in a prime position. Now you probably don't have to play in the SEC title game. You win the rest of your games. Georgia or Alabama or LSU is going to lose another game. Bam, you're back in the CFP at number four, playing the number one team. Yeah, you I, I love where they're at. You can't. So if they do lose – they, they lose to the number three team, but they wouldn't drop lower than six, right? Can't. They couldn't. But they talked, about it, they talked about it, you know, with, with Tennessee's wins and with Georgia only having Oregon, and then after Tennessee, they don't have anything. This game means everything to Georgia because if they lose, they are done, period. If Tennessee, if, to what Randy's saying, if they lose, they're still right in the thick of the mix, especially if, you know – the typical losses that we expect to happen between like a Clemson or who, you know, whoever those teams up there, yeah. you know, they always drop one or other. So I, Ohio I expect, State, Michigan, one of them's going to lose. I expect I mean, Tennessee to beat Georgia, but I think right to Randy's point, um, I think Tennessee will more than likely because somebody's going to mess up up there. I think they'd find their way in. What's the, I'm curious, Randy, what would be the, the mentality of Tennessee, you know, wins out and they make sec championship game like what is 
what is the benefit other than saying you're SEC champions to really go out there and put a hooker out there, a Hyatt out there for four quarters and against a, a top tier team that maybe needs to win and it means way more to them than it would you? Well, are you saying that they do beat Georgia? So, yeah, if they go so undefeated, they're undefeated. Yeah, but that SEC championship game to me is – not not even an issue they're still going to be in regardless it's i don't know maybe man. maybe the difference between being one and yeah but let's say four. it's Ala- but let's say it's alabama you don't want alabama in the playoffs so that's your motivation but i don't know jim let me ask you that question if tennessee's number one they're 12 and 0 playing in the sc title game and they lose to alabama who's 11 and 1 let's say alabama's fourth at the time because they probably will be because one Ohio State or Michigan is going to lose <coughs> can Tennessee drop would they drop past four if they lost no and who did it what I think it was the wasn't it was it not Alabama and Georgia that, that same scenario and they flip-flopped one and four and then they end up yeah. playing again yeah was, so no you're right you're right it was it was that year that they played yeah no you're right it was last year yeah and so I mean I don't I don't think they would the uh, the interesting case I got for you. Let, let's be clear, guys, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. I don't think LSU is going to be Alabama. I'm going there and being optimistic. But if LSU ran the table, I listened to them, and they and they actually said that uh, I was listening to the college uh, show. They were saying that they could see LSU with two losses jumping a undefeated TCU or Clemson. Is that possible, Randy? Well, I mean, and these are yeah. these are these aren't nobody saying that, like because they were yeah. saying because they were saying if you go in there, if you beat Alabama and then you go redeem yourself and you win the SEC championship and you either beat Tennessee or Georgia, I mean, you, you're stacking I, them up. Then I think that what I would if I thought LSU was going to be 14th or 15th is what I said. Once I saw they were at 10, I think that lends itself because and everybody's going to say it. The committee is going to be biased towards SEC. I'm an SEC fan. You're an SEC fan. We're cool with that, right? So I think that if you're LSU and you can avenge the loss, beat Alabama, even if it's at home, you have the best. Yes, you probably would get in over. I don't know if you get in over TCU. I don't. I don't. I, I first don't think they could even beat Alabama, but I sure don't think that they could beat Tennessee if they played them again. So I mean, this is just you know hypothetical. But I heard them talking about it, and it would be crazy to think a two-loss team could jump an undefeated team, but it just speaks to the value of the SEC. Well, one thing that I do know that they kept talking about last night, and Joey Galloway was just as confused as I was, one thing the committee puts out is the strength of record. And, like, no matter how many times you Google strength of record, it's, like, not a Googleable thing, if that's a word. So I don't know where ESPN or who the committee comes up with that, but it doesn't make any sense. It's not strength of schedule. And it's not your opponent's record against you. It's like the way it is is that how many teams could play your exact schedule and come out with the same record. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee's strength of record was number one because only 8% of college football ranked teams would have the same record as them. Yeah, how do you come up with that? Uh, yeah. It's dumb because how are you ranking your schedule in comparison to what you're thinking somebody else like? I'll say this in regards to the Georgia thing, Daniel, um, and, and Randy knows this already. If you take Oregon out, the rest of their team's combined uh, record is 22 and 26. That's Agreed. why Georgia has to have it. Agree. And if you look at it, and we've talked about this, Georgia's, I mean, like the Mizzou game, you should have lost that game. I mean, that, that was awful. 
So if you and they've had what was Kent State that Kent was not State. a great performance by any means. I think the reason that I think Tennessee can go in and upset them in Athens this weekend is because quarterback play. What's what helps your team win every game? Joe Burrow, obviously Jamar Chase, and that was all great. You don't have Joe Burrow, you ain't winning that national titleship. So the uh, I don't think Setson Bennett is better than Hendon Hooker. I just don't. The, the best bet they said you could make, Randy, um, on the radio parlay bet. They said if you believe right now with where the odds are. If you believe Tennessee's going to win outright, they say you go bet the money line and you parlay it with Hendon Hooker for Heisman because if Tennessee wins this game, Hendon Hooker will probably have the Heisman locked up. So speaking of that bet, and I let we'll move on after this. I know we got some other stuff to get into, but I got I think I told y'all this, but I got Hendon Hooker about a month and a half ago at plus five four thousand plus four thousand. So I locked it in, you know, whatever hundred bones. So. Fast forward, now he is the odds-on favorite. I think it's – was it negative 100, negative 200? Mm-hmm. So he's the odds-on – and pretty heavy favorite because I think the next guy's like plus three or plus four. So my money's looking good, boys. Let's say he goes in there this weekend and wins, or let's say Tennessee loses a close game, but he has four touchdowns and no picks. He's still not going to move down in the Heisman race, I don't think. Oh, and, hey, you said we were getting off this. That was another thing. Tennessee – I was impressed with – man, I, Tennessee fans continue to impress me. Uh, Randy, for the people who were arguing the Joe Burrow uh, thing about Joe Burrow was way better than Hooker, they made sure to drop that one interception stat on them, and it's like hard to argue with that one. The guy's got 60 touchdowns and four turnovers since he started at Tennessee. That is insane. And this year, is I think it's 21-1, and one. Mm-hmm. and the one pick he threw was in the Alabama game. They're not, pretty, they're not bad, right? Yeah. Hey, Daniel, speaking of, you know, you talked about how busy you've been with work, bro. I can't believe I, I, I texted you. I wanted you to get in on the parlay. I went and, made, went, went and made my first college parlays of the season. Don't worry, Wisconsin's not in there. Good. Screw them dudes. <laughs> still, still don't like them. Still really bitter about that. But moving on. Speaking of moving on, guys, we got we to talk, pick them. Get into it. Was a uh, pretty, pretty, you know, underwhelming week for all of us. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, Randy and I got points. We both took Ohio State, Notre Dame, Syracuse. Uh, Jim, you're the only one that took Notre Dame. You got a point for that. Tennessee and Kentucky. We were all in agreement of Tennessee. We all got a point. Jim, uh, the only one that took. K-State over Oklahoma State. I should get an point. extra point for taking them to the woodshed like that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mean, disagree. You know, Randy picked uh, Central Florida uh, over Cincinnati. He's the only one that got a point for that. Uh, Texas A&M Ole Miss. Randy and I get a point for Ole Miss. It uh, broke down like this. Um, Jim, you got three points. Uh, this week, Randy, you got four, and I got Three, given us a total for college. Uh, Randy in first with 33. Jim and I are behind you with 27. We are just losing ground. One one game at a time every week. That's all right. It'll it'll change. I I feel like the the will it the flip is coming. Just will it patient and hold on. Uh, I, I'm not optimistic. <laughs> I, I am ready. I'm ready for this. So let's get into this week's picks. All right. Texas, K 
Kansas State. Who you got, Jim? You you went with K-State over Oklahoma State last week. Are you rolling with the Wildcats? Yeah, and I can't believe they're a dog at home against Texas after what they just did. That's amazing. So you're going K-State. Randy? Yeah, I'm going K-State, too. I don't have any faith in Texas at all. They also – they were on the wrong end. No, no, no. They did beat Oklahoma, but I just think they kind of suck. <laughs> it's – the Big Twelve Very, sucks, bro. It's oh, that's, that's that's true. That's speaking true. of speaking of Big Twelve, this is kind of off the the topic, but Gonzaga's looking to enter the Big Twelve. I saw that. That's that, that's, that's beautiful in basketball because yeah. in Kemp, well, they don't have football, the top four. do they? No, they. Uh, but in basketball, it's that they would have the top four in Kempom when you add Gonzaga in there. Here's why it's not good, because. How does a team like Gonzaga get in and a team like Memphis gets left out? Nobody's going to convince me. You think back to when we were in well, high school. Gonz- nobody knew who the hell Gonzaga was, even in basketball. Well, they well, were a cute team on the West Coast. Well, I'll say this because you added another element. They're a, a team that's been making the NCAA tournament in baseball every year, too, so that helps come into the big I mean, ball. that's true, but the baseball just doesn't – we love it. That's how we make our show gets their numbers, but it doesn't move the needle from a conference standpoint. I but I think that basketball barely moves the needle. Football has driven this whole thing. And in my opinion, I'm looking over it today when I heard this. I don't think that we've seen basketball be a reason for conference realignment or a team joining. In my, maybe I'm missing some. I don't know. I just – if you're a, a, a one-sport university, like, I mean, let's, let's face it. Gonzaga is basketball. Like, it's, that's what they are. Even as good as the baseball team is. When you think about sports realm and you talk about Gonzaga, it's always going to be mostly in basketball. Aren't there other universities out there that have more to offer as a whole program and a whole athletic department than what yeah. Gonzaga has? Like, what am I? What am I missing? Like, well, this goes back to what you said a long time. I say long, however long ago it was, Daniel, when you said. The only move to make is for the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to start merging and then pick up some of the ACC and then pick up the best uh, non-Power 5 teams. I mean, that, that's the, the best way, period. Yeah, I, I just – it at least you know what you're getting and you're not having to go, well, at least this makes us good in one area. It's not good, you know, as a whole. But at least, hey, Daniel, you get to see if this happens, you'll get to see Gonzaga play basketball, something you never get to do because they usually tip off at like 12 o'clock your time. Very true. Very true. Um, but going back to our picks, I'm going to take K-State. Um, hey, before we move on from Gonzaga, Tennessee beat them by 30 the other day, so I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> in basketball. Tennessee's Boom. winning in everything, bro. They are on a roll right now, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. What was another thing we're winning in is these college pick them. So please go yeah. ahead. So I can pick my next one. You got it. all right. Clemson, Notre Dame. I'm going Clemson. Randy, who you got? Man, I really, really, really will never pick Notre Dame. Clemson all the way. This is where I get my pick. <laughs> Notre Dame. I picked them last like week. I got, no, I, I got them last week and y'all didn't. And Clemson has not looked that great. This is this is where it happens right here. Notre Dame for the first time is going to do something that that we love, and and they're going to win and they're going to mess ish up and help us out. 
All right. Don't hold your breath. But uh, Wake Forest, NC State. Wake Forest is coming off of a, a, a unreal loss to Louisville. North Carolina State wins uh, a close game, I think, at Virginia Tech. Um, but, Jim, who, who are you going to take, Wake or State? State. NC State. Randy, who you got? So, man, this ACC sucks. I'm going to go – I'm giving Jim an, a chance here. I'm going Wake Forest because I think they have a quarterback that uh, is good, and he's not going to play bad two games in a row. I'm going to take NC State. Uh, Y'all trying to pick up ground on me? Boy. Trying. Trying, but every time we do this, it doesn't work. <laughs> this doesn't work. Well, right. I can't wait for this next one. Uh, this brings us to the, the game of the week. Um, I know everyone's going to be tuned in at 2.30 for this game and this game only on ESPN <laughs> two uh, it's homecoming and the, in the university of Memphis this week, and they are welcoming in for homecoming, the number 25 team in the nation that just came off a big win against Cincinnati. They are hosting the, the Knights of central Florida. Um, you know, Randy, who, who are you taking and, and why is it central Florida? <laughs> it is central Florida. And for obvious reasons, I think that they're a better coached team. I mean, that's that's about all I got for you. Gus Malzahn. He, you know, if he hadn't got fired, he'd be a perfect candidate for that Auburn job. Oh, <laughs> very true. Jim, who are you taking? Memphis. Man, y'all giving me easy dubs. I mean, I, I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to go UCF. However, I, I think with a week off, Memphis should be more prepared and should play better. But that's uh, comes down to coaching. And I, I agree with what you're saying, Randy. I, I think UCF's better coach, but I'm just hoping there's there's something in the works. Some they've been scheming something because if there's ever a game that Ryan Silverfield needs to win, it is this Saturday gotta be because it's uh it could set the stage for a a maybe veach's first big item decision that he's gonna have to make as the athletic director we'll see guys i just want to let y'all know going into the bottom of the ninth the no hitter is still intact son of a oh who knows what's going to happen uh but that brings us to the the second but not quite as popular as the memphis game at 2 30 on saturday uh the the tennessee the number one let me let me rephrase that the number one team in the nation the tennessee volunteers taking on georgia the number three team tennessee is an eight point dog they're having to travel to athens um Kind of not not getting a whole lot of respect here, Randy. You know, I, I I'm personally gonna take Tennessee. Who you Same. take? Same. Go big orange. Taking the balls. Jim, who you got? Tennessee, man. Oh, I thought you were about to hedge it. Thought you were about to hedge it. No, nah, right. man. I'm I'm getting this, I'm getting this one right, dude. I got Tennessee by 10, bro. 
Can I ask y'all a question? This sure. is a little, this is a, a little off topic, but Mel Kiper came out with his big board today. And obviously I know that, you know, Jim, you, you've been a fan of Will Levis and his antics, but I'm being dead serious when I ask this question. After we've seen him this year, not just the injuries, but the way he played against Tennessee, he is the number four player, number four in the big, the big board of Mel Kiper. How, how? I mean, I don't, he reminds me of, and he doesn't run it as well. He reminds me of Taysom Hill. So I don't know how that could even be like, because most people wouldn't want Taysom Hill as their quarterback. So why would you want Will Levis? He's a, just, and he's a not as, le- yeah, lesser athletic. He's a lesser version of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> you know, that's actually not a really bad comparison. The only thing I will say to that is I don't think Will Levis, from what everybody says, Mel Kuyper keeps saying he's got this NFL arm, but when are we going to see it? Yeah. You, I don't know, man. In the combine, when there's not 11 guys trying to beat the hell out of him? Like, yeah, well, I'm sure he looks great when he's not in pads and all that, but they got the, the big board of quarterbacks is C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and then Hendon Hooker. The disrespect. Man, this the disrespect of this Tennessee Volunteers team. They're the number one team in the nation. They're going to – Georgia and they're an eight point dog. They're almost a double digit underdog. The number one team in the country. You know who has caught his attention though? Mel Kuyper's attention is none other than the leading touchdown receiver in the country, Jalen Hyatt. He was previously not even rated. He was like third, fourth, fifth round. He is the number 13 overall on the big board. Ooh, he could be coming to the Saints, baby. Coming to the Saints, baby. I can't, I can't believe I seen that tweet the other day. Did I send it to you? You did. Uh, you did. Yeah, yeah look, Ohio State. Ray, or Daniel, I don't know how, like, this has been getting missed. I mean, me and Randy have been talking about this for, like, three, four years now, um, and it's really been going on longer than that. You go back to uh, some other guys like um, Meacham and whatnot, but Ohio State and Tennessee are, like, basically a third of the Saints roster, and the guy said – Maybe we should start picking up some more Tennessee players, not just Ohio State. And it's like, bro, where, where we've been there watching. We've been doing it. Yeah. For sure. That's one thing that is a definite. It's that. So, all right. That brings us to the, the night game. Um, thank God there's no Pac 12 garbage game of the week. It's, you know, if you're, Still in the football mood after those two amazing games at 2.30. There's a 7 p.m. game, Alabama, LSU. I, Jim, I, I'm taking Alabama by a whole lot. And wow. I, the, la- the last time I said that, they, they lost, I think, wow. Tennessee. I, the, can't I find it interesting you say that because, I mean, mm-hmm. if you've been watching Alabama's defense – I wouldn't take Alabama by a whole lot, period. I'm taking Alabama by 21 points. Oh, man. It's mm. it's it's going to be – Death Valley is – they're going to have to rename it something. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If they beat Alabama, if Alabama beats them by 21, I'll do a bullshit trade and trade you Leonard Fournette on fucking Monday. Oh, man. Since man, you've been I, asking. I mean, 
I will okay. trade you Leonard Fournette for whatever fucking bum you want to send me. And people but, could say, say, what are y'all doing? And be like, don't I, worry about it. I could offload the Jets defense to you. I could probably get rid of them. <laughs> That's how confident I am they won't lose by 21. I will offer that up. All right. It sounds to me like you're you're you know what uh, we'll get to you in a second. No, Randy, no, no. Randy, Randy, who you got? LSU, Alabama. Who you taking? I got Alabama. I don't I've gone back and forth. So when I was talking about it on another show last night, I picked Alabama to win by a lot. But the more that I've thought about it and broke it down and looked at the numbers, I don't think it's gonna be by a lot. And I think that too, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first night game they've had this season, right? At LSU? Uh, other than the non-conference. Yeah, first SEC one. Yeah, but uh, no, first night game. Has it been in – oh, yeah, they played Southern or something at night. Okay, regardless. We know the atmosphere is going to be electric. I don't think Alabama gets phased by that, but I think it's going to make a huge difference for LSU. I think they keep it close and Alabama pulls away. I wouldn't be surprised to see double digits by that. I mean, 10, 13, 14, something like that. You know, I, I, I listened to Randy last night, and he's like, yeah. Alabama big. And I'm like, yeah, I'm taking Hell it. Yeah. Alabama big. I get on here. I go first Alabama <laughs> big. And all of a sudden he's no, you know, I don't no. really, you know, I've been Jane Daniels, man. I, I, I've been studying the numbers. <laughs> well, analytics tell me. All right, Jim, your team, biggest game of the season for those guys. Who are you taking? Well, let me first say that I double hedged my bets in the NFL last week, and it worked out uh, with with New Orleans and Tampa. But you know what? I'm not even going to hedge my bet. I'm just going to pick LSU and say, fuck it. All right. Well, that's one way to do it. LSU. All right. I mean, I'm not going to catch Randy anyway. I might as well get ballsy and pick my team. That's a bold, bold strategy. I like it. All right. All right, that's enough for college. Let's talk NFL. Jim, I'll I'll start with you, man. Saints recap. Just uh a a good good win for those guys, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you you can take so many things away from it, but for the first time this year, the Saints defense that we heard about all preseason, myself included, talking about showed up i i don't know the exact number I, they only had like four or five sacks on the season it's an amazing stat um they sacked Derek carr more than five times in that game they held Devonte adams to one catch for a negative yard i mean um jacobs had been killing it i only know that just from a fantasy standpoint alone he had been putting 30 or 40 pieces on people um rolling up some yards and touchdowns i mean they didn't they didn't score they as a matter of fact um I don't know if either of you guys see this. I didn't even know it watching the game in real time. They didn't cross the midfield until some point in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, the LSU defense is the main thing. But um, offensively, there's only one thing to really talk about. Um, they finally learned how to play call. I've been complaining to you all about the use of Alvin Kamara in the red zone. Um, what, a, what a crazy thing, man. You give it to Alvin Kamara in the red zone, and he ain't had a touchdown this year. Um, he had three touchdowns in total, but two of them came in the red zone running the ball. So, um, you know, hey, give the ball to your best player and let him score. It's, that's uh, one way to do it. I mean, I, I'm not going to uh, disapprove of that strategy. I actually like when they give the ball to him, especially when he has a game like he had this past weekend. <laughs> um, 
you know, let me let me ask you this, uh, Daniel. So, in regards to the NFC South, obviously we'll we'll get into other things or whatever. Like they talked this week about should the Saints tear it down, and I even texted you guys. I was nervous that they might trade Alvin, but like the wild thing is they are one game out of the top of the division and they have the tiebreaker on that team in Atlanta. Like, and if you look at just the disarray that Tampa's in with what's going on, like if you're the saints, like you got to feel like regardless of how bad you screwed up to this point, like you take that win, gain some momentum and you can realistically win this division. No problem. I mean, if you really want to break it down further, the Panthers are DJ Moore away taking his helmet off away from that whole division being with the same record. Yeah, really. which I thought it was going to. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, that field yeah, goal, Hey, the, hey, the this helmet point, doesn't hurt you fantasy-wise. <laughs> nope. Nope, not at all. Do what you got to do, DJ. You want you want this thing to go into overtime, man, knock, knock yourself out. Don't matter. How, how, guys, at the NFL level, man, on that play, how do you let – Really, he's really the only great receiver on the they, team. How do you let him get behind both guys? They they stopped. They just they just stopped, and he kept going. And then they were like, "Oh shit, he's gonna keep going. Let's try to catch up." And by then, it was too late. Like, I, I was, <laughs> like that's the hey, that's the play that when somebody says, "How bad is the NFC South?" and you just roll the tape of that play. <laughs> what's What's crazy is like when you know that it's your fantasy guy, and then you're like. Wait a minute. Is that the right number? Oh, oh, it is. It's him. And then I'm I'm waiting for like a flag or something bad to happen. And it never did. So, but hey, I'll I'll take it. Um, you know what else I'll take? I'll take the Cowboys playing like they played against the Bears this week. I'll I'll take that. That's that's a that's a good win. They played well. And Tony Pollard, man, had a day. Had a day. 14 carries, 131 yards, three TDs. He had a 54. Yard run, I mean, you know, just doing it up. Dak was pretty good, 21 of 27, two touchdowns. I mean, I will say this is this is the Cowboys team that I, I – this is what I've been looking for. So, hopefully, they can continue to roll this thing forward and kind of fine-tune some things and get better and better every week. You know um, what? You know what I learned from that game, Daniel? Because I I know how good Dallas's defense is. You know, Mike's been taught. I don't watch Bears games to really know what Mike Hughes be spitting, but he talks about how good Justin Fields is, and he really just lacks help. Man, I watched a guy for real because Dallas was playing their typical defense. They were all over him. I watched Justin Fields put on you know what I would call a show for for a one man to just try to do his best to put a team on his back and be Superman. So I got to give, even in a loss, I got to give Justin Fields a shout out for just trying his best against that damn defense and actually putting up some amazing stats. And just so we're, uh, we're up to date on everything. Astros, no hit the Phillies. Five, nothing. Combine, combine no hitter. Um, how many times has it been done? We know yet. Usually that's one of the first things closed. I, I have not seen that stat yet in the World Series in a game like this. I mean, it, we're probably might looking be the first. At, yeah, something we might not ever see again. Yes, there it is. Got it. It is across. It is the first one ever. Nice. You know, a nice little uh, double play. No, great five three to end the game. Pretty pretty solid. You know what's not solid, Randy? 
That's the Colts losing the Commanders. <laughs> commanders are in disarray right now. With what a transition. I mean, what is going on? You know what's crazy is the Colts could still win their division. I mean, the, the Commanders have might. a better record than the Colts do. Uh, I know. Now the, Col- the Colts are in such, since we've been talking so much fantasy, the Colts are in such disarray. I got Jonathan Tra- Taylor traded to me in my other league for, for pennies on the dollar, bro. <laughs> Yeah, and he's, he's it's not it's not good. So they start Ellinger obviously over Matt Ryan, and, and I and I really wasn't on board with that because I think if you're gonna tank for me because he's got Matt Ryan has a contract clause that if he plays X amount of games or X amount of snaps he gets another additional. So to me it's pretty clear it's not been said but it's pretty clear to me that they're trying to save that. They don't think they can win with him. So let's start Ellinger and see what happens. There's no way they think that kid's the future of their team, or he would they wouldn't have gone out and got Matt Ryan. Uh, but they're up 16 to 7, 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you lose the game. So I I, it, I mean, I have no words for it. I think that Reich is on his way out. The Colts are bad. They let um Heineke look like he was, you know, Joe Montana out there at the end of the game. Uh, they're bad. That, that's just all there is to it. But they're still in second place, baby. Hey. Got they got a they got a chance. We hey. are officially the worst division in the NFL. The, I don't know, man. And it's the the South on both ends is is really competing with each other. I mean, I understand we all got better records combined, but I mean, to, for all four teams to be under, well, no, I guess Atlanta's four and four, but basically, I think the Titans are four and three, maybe four and four. I don't know. They it, they all suck. It's both pretty rough. But hey, guys, I, I I know we're talking football. I got another update. I just want to tell you guys that the, the Lakers are up 12 at halftime and Westbrook off the bench um, is five for seven with 11 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and a plus 11. Let's talk about it. Or don't uh, get it, Russ. Yeah. And the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies doing their thing against Trailblazers. Just go ahead and throw that out there and then we can go back to go back to football. All right. Well, when it comes to football, we got to recap our picks last week. So Bucks, Ravens, Jim. You took the Bucks. Randy and I took the Ravens. Randy and I get points. You and that was the first hedge, and it worked, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, if that's I said I wanted the Bucks yeah. to lose. Yeah, there you go. All right, Raiders, Saints. Uh, for some reason, Randy took the Saints, and he's the only one that got point for that. Let me tell you this, fellas. Derek Carr. I wasn't gonna go here, Randy. But let me tell Are you, you upset because I'm kicking your ass in these pickums? No, I'm upset because I got Devontae Adams and he's been killing it. And the one week I need a quarterback, I'm like, you know what? Let me try this decent quarterback, Derek Carr. I heard he's not that bad. I heard he's not decent at all. He's he's good. If not great. Okay. You know, I'll 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 hedge it a little bit. Maybe he throws a touchdown or two to Devontae and you know, you know. We we do these motherfuckers got two points combined between the two of them. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something, Randy. Hey, while we're on it, man, I'm just, I'm just gonna drop it on Daniel right here on air. Daniel was playing a team with a record of zero and seven, and he dropped a two hundred piece on them. Yep, and that was just like part of the. He's been his, averaging like a hundred a week. His team's that bad. And he drops two hundred on Daniel. Two hundred on you? Oh, one ninety-two, I think. Something silly like that. 
But meanwhile, that's, his that's, meanwhile, his quarterback's putting up one point. <laughs> yeah. One. Uh, I felt like Major League, you know, Bob Euchre, one hit, one GD hit. That, that's – I kept looking at it, like, trying to refresh it, thinking, oh, man, it's, like, stuck on the first quarter. Like, let's let's go. No. Well, that was it. The, the motherfucker had negative points for a lot of the game. And what's, and what's crazy is – Lattimore's still out. And so for Adams to be held in check like that was wild. So yeah, I uh I think I have a hatred for the Wisconsin Badgers and now the Las Vegas Raiders. So. Randy, let me let me ask you, being that I'm so far back in the pick 'em, do, do you like my strategy? Cause I hedged my and I got what I wanted. Tampa lost and the Saints won. Yeah, no, I, I I love your strategy. Love I'm it. not gonna beat you. I'm not gonna beat you anyway, so I might as well like just get what I want. That's a that's what losers say, <laughs> dude. If I pick against the Saints every week and they win, I'm I'm, I'm doing it. You'll, right. find, you'll find out soon enough here in a minute. Well, let me let me finish up this recap of last week. Uh, Niners Rams, Niners. Jim and I picked up a point. Randy, you took the Rams. Right that was such a stupid. They like literally never beat the 49ers. Christian you even McCaffrey said, you is even, on the team, bro. You even said that, and you were like, "Give me the 49ers." Well, you know why? Because I, all give streaks, me the Rams. All streaks come to an end, man. I mean, you know, look at Tennessee. I think, I think you might have said that too. It just shows you what happens when Christian McCaffrey gets on a good team, bro. But the 49ers never lose to the Rams. Last year, when the Rams were killing everybody, didn't beat the 49ers. Stupid. All right, Bills, Packers, we all took the Bills. We all got a point. Vikings, Cardinals, you guys got took the Vikings, got the point. I did. I took the Cardinals, did not get a point. Uh, we all took the Jets, and the Jets are back to being the Jets or losing <laughs> the Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So Right when uh, we start to doubt Bill, proves us wrong. Yep, and so we none of us got points for that. Um, Pros this week. Uh Jim, you got three. Randy, you got four, and I got three. That gives us for a total. Jim, you're or Randy, you're sitting in first with 26. I'm sitting in second with 23. And Jim, you're sitting in third with 20. 2020. So crazy. Randy. You're looking at 59 total points with all the pickums. I'm looking at 50 points, and Jim, you're looking at 47. So, I mean, we're 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 a, a miles apart from where Randy is. He's just the the ultimate pickum picker. So, Give it time, boys. But let's uh let's let's get into this week's slate of games. Talk about it. Let's Let's make our picks. See where we go. We got first game. We got Chargers Falcons. I'm gonna take the Chargers. I'm Randy, in. who are you taking? Of course, I'm taking my boo, Justin hey. Herbert. Jim, who are you taking? Chargers. Oh, all going together. Oh, the big game of the week. Patriots. Colts and Patriots. Randy immediately says Patriots. I will take the Patriots. Jim, who are you taking? 
I got Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman now. Let's go, Colts. No way. Bill Belichick never, ever, ever loses to young quarterbacks. Death, taxes, and never losing to young quarterbacks. That's what you're saying? If That's what Ran- I'm saying. When Randy remember, puts death and remember, taxes in front of it, it doesn't go well. I know. Yeah. I stopped saying that. I'm not – no more. The Seahawks and the Cardinals. How good has Geno Smith been? I mean – Shout out, Gino. He's going to get paid. That's a fact. All right, Seahawks, Cardinals. Jim, who do you take? Give me the Cardinals. Randy, who you got? Go Hawks. Taking the Sea Chickens. You know, I'm going to take the Seahawks, too. I, I I want to believe the Cardinals. I just... I don't know how good I don't know how good Kyler Murray is. That's I know he's got the best receiver in football still. He does. And he and they're that. losing they're losing game. Well, you got to play defense. That's a problem. Uh, I mean, that's mm. true. Ram Bucks. Give me the you know what? Give me the Bucks. I think they're bouncing back. I think I think they're bouncing back. Mm, negative. I'm taking the Rams, even though I don't know why I'm taking the Rams because I think I've picked them three or four times, and they haven't won any time I picked them. But you know what? The Rams never beat the Bucks, so give me the Rams. <laughs> well, actually, they beat them in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think either of those teams is very good this year, if I'm being honest. But I think the Rams are just a touch better, and we got to see the Bucks do something. Show some life, Tom. I'm telling you, like, it's it's very – around there but but he needs to go back to throwing tablets at least then they were winning games i agree all right jim who you got rams Bucks. i'm going to take the bucks because i have some insider information one casey sigler is at the game and he goes to a bucks game every year and they don't ever lose it oh well let's see what happens titans and chiefs man come on Yards, this is no. easy. Chiefs. Chiefs. Rams. Chiefs. Five billion. Chiefs. Chiefs. Uh, one day I'll get a slate of six really good games, but it's yet to happen, guys. So I have to just put the best points or the closest point spreaded games on there. What can I tell you? That's why the Falcons Chargers was on there. Is that why the Ravens and Saints are on there? They're on there because it's Monday Night Football, baby. Actually, that's a, a solid matchup. Uh, give me the Ravens. Took the Ravens last week paid off. Give me them again. Same. You got Randy? Ravens. Ravens. Jim, you going Saints? You going, or are you going to hedge your bet? You know what? I took LSU. Give me the Saints. Hey, this could be a long, depressing week of text threads, Randy. We will. Have, what are you talking about, text threads? We'll be live here on the air with Hunter Hines, bro. Yeah. I mean, it'll start after this football game Saturday night, and then it'll continue. Like, that's all right. I'm there for you, man. I'll just no, no. I'll just do what I did last time uh, when Tennessee whooped us. I just turned my attention to LSU baseball because it was the next day. <laughs> and then the Saints are end up tied for their division, and LSU ends up tenth. And you're like, I'm back in football, baby. Here we go. <laughs> Here we, 
right, y'all. Last call. Uh, Randy, you got anything? No, I just want to echo something I said earlier. I want to shout out Josh Heupel because the job that he's done at Tennessee it should not be overshadowed by anything. I've heard a lot of people discount it. You cannot discount the job that he has done. He's come in, taken a band of misfits. We've had guys on here, Jerome Carvin, that talked about it. They lost 37 guys in the transfer portal, including a lot of five stars, four stars, guys that were going to make a difference, all Americans. And what have they done? They've banded together. I saw Jalen Hyatt's mom tweeted out, when Jalen committed in 2020, a lot of people made fun of him. He was a very highly regarded recruit. And she said, a lot of people have made fun of my son for where he picked. And if you want to pick a top-tier university that you just want to go win at, that's fine, and that's good for you. But don't bash on the kids that want to go build something. Don't bash on a kid that wants to be a part of something that hasn't been done in a long time. So shout-out to Jalen Hyatt's mama. Shout-out to Jalen Hyatt. And shout-out to Josh Heupel. I mean, best coach uh, in football this season, best receiver in football this season, and maybe best mom in football this season. Who knows? Shout out. Triple triple threat, triple crown winners right there. Jim, what you got? Anything? Yeah, Attitude Fights MMA 25 went this past weekend. Our guest, Keon Lucas, beat our other guest, Jesse Parker. Um it was it's pretty dominant fashion as Randy predicted. Uh, Jesse Parker uh, retired. One of the cool things about it though was uh, got an ovation. He had a lot of fans, so that was cool to see. Um, our guest Brandon, uh, the Gladiator man, uh, he uh, he got knocked out stone cold. So much so that afterward he asked me how long he was down for, and he still couldn't remember what happened. Um, he kind of got caught dancing around a little too much. Um, said he waited too long to make his move and um, just got caught. But um, he is looking forward to bouncing back. And with that, um, ran into Jalil Willis while I was there. He uh, he proposed to us. He wants to come on after his next fight. So I didn't even have to uh, ask him on. Uh, Jalil's going to come on after his huge fight that he's got coming up in December. So that's cool. And then to tie fighting to another sport, shout out to the LSU girls who uh, decided to melee on some Ole Miss bitches um, because they deserve it. Uh, Daniel, you want yellow cards and red cards? Well, you had an IOTV guest and Shannon Cook get a yellow card, and you had an IOTV guest and Rami Noel get a red card. So there you go. Nice. I don't even want to know them unless they get yellows. Reds, hey, that's that's, you're you're hardcore for getting reds. That's what's up. Let me ask you. Let me ask you guys a question before you sign off, Daniel. In any guy's sport, it doesn't matter what it is. If a dude is brawling with another dude, they usually come in, right? Like their teammates, whether to break it up or join in, whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting because the LSU soccer squad, they rolled in just like dudes would. They run in. Interestingly enough, the Ole Miss teammates didn't come help her. What does that, what does that mean? Um, they lack they, camaraderie. Nah, I think it's just they ain't got time for that bullshit. <laughs> Randy, you came up swinging, right? BB's I mean, already told us back. If B and you get in a fight, he gonna be like, "All right, y'all be done in a minute." Yep. All right. Oh, God. The, the 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 strong one's gonna be tired here soon, and then the other one's just gonna get bored with it. So. <laughs> I give it about 30 more seconds. I mean, but to your point, I mean, yeah, I don't think that 
you shouldn't be looked at. Yeah, you should help your teammate for sure. I don't think I think it happened. Like I watched it. I was just happened to be watching it when it came across, and I'm like, damn, they fighting. It happened so fast. Legit fist being thrown. It was I couldn't believe yeah. it when you sent it to me. And uh oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh Gray Storty first team all American honors. And uh, they play UCF in the uh, in the semifinals of the American Athletic Conference down there in the neck of the woods, Daniel. So go see Grace. I will do everything in my power to make it happen. So just let her know. It might be a, a game time decision. I know you're busy. I'm just messing uh, with you. But nonetheless, she got the, she got the accolades and hopefully they beat UCF. Hey, well, I, soccer and football. Let's double down this week. Hey, let's do it. Guys, another good episode. I want to thank our guest, Braden Jobert, for joining us. If you like hearing Braden's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback is always welcome. You got us coming right back at you next week. We got episode 26 coming at you. We're going to be talking to all-American Mississippi State baseball star Hunter Hines. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp mind, grit and grind all the time. We out.